are now listening to the War Report Podcast Network. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the College Loop Podcast, episode 84 of the College Loop Podcast. No tar today. He's a little sleepy boy. But we do have the intern, Colin, on here for, for another full show. Colin, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk some ball. Yes, sir. And Daniel, how you doing? Man, I'm amazing. The vibes are high. We're all chopping it up about our favorite music. Um, Colin just reminded me of how much I enjoy the Donda album by Kanye West. So when we get out of here tonight, I'm going to go listen to that. Very, very good. Just all around good vibes on here, at least outside of the college loop in the world. Things are so-so, depending on who you ask. But the three of us, were here. We're happy. And I hope Tar is dreaming happy, happy dreams right now. Yeah, we were talking about music. So, you know what? It's random question in the comments. If Let's know your favorite artist. So we'll settle some debates in the comments section, I guess. But to go on a less exciting uh, tangent... On July 4th, uh, there were some fireworks that were shot around on Auburn Twitter. And as I, as Auburn target, Cameron Coleman announced his destination of choice. Uh, and it was not the place that we said it was going to be. And I got to be honest with you, I was just repeating what I was reading off of message boards. And, of course, on three, who had, I believe at this point, four predictions for Cam Coleman to come to Auburn. So check their validity on, and their sources on that because we were just – I was doing what I was told by by the media. But <laughs> Cameron Coleman is, of course, now committed to the Texas A&M Aggies. He will still be in Auburn for Big Cat Weekend on July 29th. So a huge chance for the Auburn Tigers to potentially get a flip. Uh, it'd be nice if he could get a flip. Uh, but, just Daniel, initial thoughts when you heard that Cam Coleman committed to the – a&M. Well, I knew that uh, Jimbo and uh, good old Bobby uh, must have dropped one heck of a bag for the boy. <laughs> um, I- I've heard that it's somewhere between 1.2 and 1.4 million big. So that's a that's an assistant coach salary. Like a, that's a top coordinator salary. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> oh, man. But it's a little disappointing. Um, Like Dylan said, I'd kind of bought in that this was going to be an Auburn commit uh, to the end. And like Dylan said, um, he's still coming to Big Cat Weekend, so there's a chance for a flip. We'll just have to wait and see. But ultimately, not the end of the world. Uh, The sun will come up tomorrow, and there's still some other guys on the radar. Yeah, and I just want to point out before anyone calls us out for what Daniel just said, we're joking. It's alleged. <laughs> Allegedly, people were saying all over Twitter that they gave him a bag. You can assume it, but you can't put it on paper. Oh, uh, of course. And if Nick Saban decides to call out Jimbo Fisher again for it, we'll we'll come up and talk about it on the show whenever he does that. But I will say, Mike G of the Warport, you know our partner, our parents. Of, over there at the Warport, uh, Mike G said on Twitter, it was between Auburn and Texas A&M, and it was close, but A&M felt like home too from Cam Coleman. And I got to be honest with you, it, it, it's, it sucked in the moment because uh, mm-hmm. based on how that day was going, we just weren't expecting it. Yeah. Uh, there were, if you go 24-7, there were so many scheduled commits going on. I have a whole notebook full of like, Auburn's top targets that are committing this month. Cam Coleman, it, this was just out of the blue. This was shocking. No one expected it to happen. No one expected him to commit 
uh, two days ago, especially because he announced that he's going to be at Big Cat Weekend. He's been talking about Auburn all the time, and everybody and their mother was pointing him right to the plains. And out of nowhere, uh, Jimbo Fisher and and at the Aggies got him to go to College Station. And I, I think it was his last visit day, and then was this. It was it was recent, uh, and people I heard people saying he only took one visit, but I looked it up. Texas A&M was the first team to offer him. Uh, they've been there throughout the beginning of it. So, uh, if we want to join the, the join the Twitter jokes that say he dropped the bag, it could have happened. But A&M was always right there with Auburn, trying to get him to come, and it sucks. But there's a few benefits to Cam Coleman committing to AM. Uh, you know, you have you lose one five star wide receiver, you turn around, there's another one right in the state of Alabama with him. It's Perry Thompson. And the big question is, does this benefit Auburn's chances of flipping Perry Thompson? Because I mean, Perry Thompson's been liking has liked one of our tweets about him coming to Auburn. And uh, we released a quote graphic. Uh, this morning uh, that went pretty well. And I feel like a lot of Auburn fans are really excited about what Perry Thompson could bring to Auburn if he were to flip. And again, he's going to be one of those big dudes. It's going to be a big cat weekend, as we've mentioned, and Auburn's going to have four or five stars on the planes for the cat weekend. So Danny or Colin, I'm going to ask you now, what are the benefits to, what are the benefits for Cam, for Perry Thompson now that Cam Coleman has committed to Texas A&M? I mean, obviously that that wide receiver room just opens up even more for him coming in as a as a true freshman and possibly getting getting playing time. That is obviously that's a big thing that Auburn can kind of offer over Bama right now is if he were to come here, he'd probably be playing day one. Whereas if he went to Bama, he'd sit in that that stacked wide receiver room for one, two years before he ever saw the field. So we're just giving him a chance to play. Yeah, and the perks of the, a, a big time wide receiver commit when you have two of them is the fact that whenever one of them commits, you go even harder on your other target. Cause mm-hmm. now that your first dude now becomes your number one, tar- your second dude now becomes your number one target and uh college edits this today. He was a few co- quotes from Perry Thompson talking about Auburn and Alabama. Uh, but Auburn was mixed in there too. He was asking all the fans uh, followers of him, where should he go? And I reading the quotes from from uh, Perry Thompson was awesome. Uh, he said, the relationships I have with every coach, they treat me like family. Um, and that was him talking about what he likes about Auburn. Uh, and then he mentioned his, Hugh Freeze's vision for him at Auburn. He said, they want to rebuild the program with its 2024 class and dominate the SEC. And allegedly, Bama told him that they want him to take one of those wide receiver spots as a freshman. I've been watching Alabama football for about as long as I've been watching Auburn football. Uh, I'm a fan of one of them, but watching Alabama, watching how many five stars they do get, Bama, Bama freshmen rarely see the field unless they desperately need it. And I think one of the positions Bama desperately does not need or doesn't desperately need in any given year is a wide receiver position. And granted, I would say the 2023 season is going to be one of the more down years for Bama's wide receiver core. And me just saying that is going to somehow find this video in Tuscaloosa, like the last one found at College Station, just for me saying that. But I think with Perry Thompson, I've seen a lot of comparisons to A.J. Brown with him. And and I've seen a lot of Bama, Bama fans and uh, Bama scouts compare him to Julio Jones, which that's crazy to think about that there could be another one of those guys out there. 
with a real high chance of Auburn finding a way to flip him. And I mean, just like I said, now that Cam Coleman, who we all expected to be, I, I as out of the four five stars we mentioned coming to Big Cat Weekend, I think I was the one that said it, and now I sound real stupid saying it. I thought Cam Coleman was the for sure Auburn lock. And I think Perry Thompson was number two on that list. And now Perry Thompson is Auburn's number one target in that 2024 class, a class that already looks like it's going to be rebuilding an offense that desperately has needed it over the past few years because now you have your future running back. You have your QB of the future. And hopefully down the line, you're going to start getting some offensive line recruits. And I've heard a lot of guys that are going to commit soon, and I have their list on here as well. Uh, expect Daniel Calhoun's a big target of Auburn's coming tomorrow. I think he's a Georgia lock, but Auburn has been going, going at him. Like Blockton on Friday is going to be committing on July 8th, which, yeah, that's right. It's not Friday, that's Saturday. Casey Pose coming up soon, right? Uh, I don't, I didn't think I saw his for this month. Okay. Uh, but I think he's probably drawing a little close, and uh, hopefully Auburn is on that. Is up there in a, in a place he's going to really want. And I know he, okay, he was in Auburn. Auburn was in his, what, top seven? Mm-hmm. So it went over top seven, top five, one of those two. Uh, but, I mean, the big dudes that Auburn's really waiting for is DeMarcus Riddick, who we're about to, to use DeMarcus Riddick as a pivot point in a second. And KJ Bolt is also going to be committing after Big Cat Weekend. DeMarcus Riddick's going to be committing before Big Cat Weekend. And just to go into Big Cat Weekend and a linebacker, uh, let's talk about DJ Barber. Committing to the Plains on July 4th. DJ uh, Barber is a three-star linebacker, four-star on rivals. So he's a huge, huge pickup for Auburn. And I, I believe uh, the first, he's the first linebacker of the class, uh, the 2024 class. He's coming at six foot, 221 from Pinson, Alabama. And it sucks you, you missed out on, on Cam Coleman, who, you know, Auburn's been struggling with that, that Central Phoenix City pipeline. Missed out on two guys on July 4th, but D'Angelo Barber picking up him from Clay Chalkville. Uh, I think he's a, I think he's one of the more underrated pickups of the class. And oh, not that he's not the first linebacker. Second linebacker, I'm going to grab by Joseph Phillips. There we go. I don't know how much grab the four-star. Uh, but, yeah, DJ Barber, I've been watching a lot of film on him. Uh, he's he's a run stuffer. Uh, and he, he can lay the boom. And there's a great video out there about – if you look him up on YouTube, you can find his – uh, his uh, hype tape for it, but good frame. He can make those tackles. He he's going to be a beast. Uh, just every video I saw on him, he just looks like he's going to be one of those guys you just watch and you're like, how did anyone ever rate him a three star? I think he's going to be one of those better linebackers of this class, and I think he's paired up very nicely with Joseph Phillips. And I think he's going to be paired up real nicely if he does what his primary goal is now that he's an Auburn Tiger, is to really hammer in that Demarcus Riddick needs to commit to the Tigers. And if he can find a way to get Demarcus Riddick off of, I believe, I think Demarcus Riddick's now at Georgia uh, Crystal Ball is what I think it is. Uh, and why wouldn't he be? Uh, <laughs> I, I want to come to Auburn as much as anybody, but you can't go wrong with going to Georgia as a linebacker. Uh, but if Joseph Phillips, DJ Barber, and Demarcus Riddick all find their way onto that 2024 class. Auburn's linebacker woes are past them now. If they can find a way to get those three guys to commit and stay committed to the Auburn Tigers, and it'd be huge just to get a five star in this class nonetheless. But we've talked about it, and 
don't worry. One week, we're going to have to suffer through it and preview the linebacker core. So probably need to do that soon so we can just get that painful video out of the way. Because right now, we don't know who's starting. We don't know why they're starting at linebacker. We don't know who it is. And Wesley Steiner is out there. Uh, Austin Keyes, who I've actually heard had a pretty decent spring and uh, I think is going to be a big uh, pickup from the transport. I think he's probably going to be our best linebacker just because we don't know how much these guys have actually developed under Josh Aldridge since he's gotten to the Plains. And I got to go and tell you, DeMario Tolan did not. <laughs> that was probably one of the biggest misses me and Tar had, uh, ranking him as our number one transfer impact transfer whenever he first got here. And oof. Uh, but huge pickup. Daniel, go to you. Just how big of a pickup is it to get, not j- to, get to your second linebacker of the class and one that I think is flying really under the radar? Um, it's huge, kind of like you just said, that Auburn's had some linebacker woes over the past few years. And in this new era, it's the one position group where we haven't seen any, at least on paper, improvement yet. Um, it's probably the biggest question mark on the team at this point. I don't think you'd find too much debate on that. So getting this guy who will be a big part of kind of helping rebuild that, and especially if he can do what he says he's going to set out to do and convince DeMarcus Riddick to commit to Auburn, um, that's huge. And that'll go a long way towards building this position back up and linebacker you of the Auburn pass. I don't, I don't know if it's ever been known by that. I just kind of pulled that off the dome. <laughs> I don't know if Auburn um, is linebacker you. <laughs> well, maybe we can start something here. Uh, in the class of 2024. <laughs> yeah, and DJ Barber now brings Auburn up to nine commits in the class, number 48 overall in the country. And I'll try to pull up the SEC rankings, but I would assume it's at least in the top 14, uh, just because that'd be basic. But you're going to a class where it's pretty split evenly offense and defense. You have a quarterback, running back, you have a wide receiver, and a tight end. Then you have two corners, a safety, a linebacker, and uh, Joseph Phillips is listed as an edge, but he's probably going to play a little bit of linebacker, or I guess a little bit of both. Uh, but yeah, Demarcus Riddick, we've talked about him before. He's an Owen Papo level uh, player. Uh, that's just how he is, how he plays. That's how he's built. And I think Auburn football and a new coaching staff that can hopefully uh, <laughs> develop linebackers could use an Owen Papo level talent. And I don't know, if, I don't know if we'll ever have an athletic level of Owen Papo ever again, but it'd be nice to have a guy who can probably mimic him in some aspects of the game. And then another bit, another great tidbit for Auburn football, uh, I, did y'all boys buy season tickets? Well, it's kind of funny. So I'm going to be credentialed for every game, obviously, with my new job, and I kind of knew that going into it, but I still bought them anyway just because I'm a belt and suspenders kind of guy. So – I'm probably just going to you know, pay my dad back for those and release my ticket into the uh, portal every week. Yeah, uh, but here's the thing about those tickets. Uh, season tickets are now sold out. 66,500 season tickets have been sold, and it just shows the amount of hype that this season has, has brought. And it's baffling to me. So uh, the Jordan-Hare Stadium can fit, what, 87,000 and some change? Some in there, yeah. Yeah, uh, and now you have minus the student section uh, about well, how many how many people sent the student section? About two thousand, three thousand, something like that. I think it's two to three. Yeah, 
You're three. the ballpark. Yeah. So now you have with that, so you 11 uh, plus seven, 18,000 seats now that are just game by game. So those tickets are going to be a little pricey. But big news is Auburn did sell out season tickets for a for a season where you don't know if Auburn's going to win four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or ten games, which is baffling to me. Uh, and it's something I don't think I can't remember the last time Auburn sold this many tickets. I think it was 2017 was probably the last time. Uh, and it just shows the love and support that Hugh Freeze and his staff and what he's brought in and what he could do for Auburn has done. And hopefully it stays this way because uh, that's a lot of revenue that could really help, you know, recruiting. <laughs> so going with that, now now that what we can finally do, we, we were uh, planning to do today before Cameron Coleman threw a wrench into things, uh, theoretical Thursday. And Gregorio, thank you for, now, for uh, giving us a carry on Johnson. Uh, we're going to alter yours a little bit and actually change it to what if carry on Johnson didn't get hurt in the Iron Bowl in 2017 and of course you know that that season was one of auburn's best you had one loss going into the iron bowl and where's my season at i just lost it there we go you had you had actually two losses going into the iron bowl i was with that clemson game which was a pain to watch uh and you you beat Alabama, you beat georgia 40 to 17 then you go in then you take you host alabama beat them 26 to 14 but as the game comes to a close carry on johnson goes down with an injury Auburn beats Bama with Cam Martin running out the clock, going to the Georgia Dome or Mercedes Benz. I forgot which which one it is at that point. Mercedes Benz. It was the first year. Benz, yeah. You go into the Benz, and you don't have carry on. You don't have a healthy carry on Johnson. You still run him with the ball. He gets forty six yards on way less carries. And I mean, looking at the, his first uh, game of the season versus Georgia, he rushed. 32 times for 167 yards, no touchdowns on the ground, but a touchdown through uh, through receiving where he got two catches for 66 yards, one of those being that real huge play that he had in that game. And you go into Alabama, he had 30 carries, 104 yards, one touchdown on the ground, also had a passing touchdown to Nate Craig Myers. That is a, that is a bingo card name right there. Uh, he goes down with an injury in the fourth quarter in a, in a game Auburn had – down pat SC championship was right there with you your sole leader on that offense besides Jared Siddham but that was that was still a very rush heavy team no matter how they tried to use Jared Siddham then you go into go into the SC championship and you put up seven points uh and that's how the Auburn season pretty much ended right there uh then you went to Went back to the Benz for your uh, freaking Peach Bowl versus the Central Florida Golden Knights, and I'm only calling the Central Florida Golden Knights because I learned on Twitter that they really hate when they're called the called by Central Florida. So I'm only going to refer to them as Central Florida for the rest of my life. In a game that they now claim as their national championship. Daniel. You know what I just realized? Auburn played three straight games there because the SEC championship, then the Peach Bowl, then the 2018 season over against Washington. Just a random thought that just popped into my mind. Yeah, and only one of those games were <laughs> enjoyable to watch throughout the entirety of it. Yeah. Uh, but the big question is, what if Gus Malzahn actually uh, decided to not let Kerryon Johnson get hurt, take him out of the game whenever the game is set in match? Because 
not every guy is built like Derrick Henry. You don't need to give every guy in the world 30 carries a game. And you have the SEC championship in your grasp. And got to be honest with you, I don't know if Auburn still beat if, – if Auburn goes into the SEC championship with Kerryon Johnson, I don't know how, how sure I'd be that Auburn beats Georgia for a second time. Um, it is hard to beat somebody twice. Um, that's just kind of the running thing we've seen the past couple of years. Um, like the Alabama, Georgia SEC championship, or hold on. Yeah. The Alabama, Georgia SEC championship in 2021, where Alabama handled Georgia. And then the reverse happened in the national championship game and college football's newest dynasty started. Um, so it's just kind of the, the running thing. Really, the one of the last times I can think of that a team has played in the regular season and met up again in Atlanta, and the result was the same, was Auburn and South Carolina uh, in 2010. Um, unless Auburn and Missouri played in 2013, which I don't think they did. Dylan, that's a you question. In 2013? Yeah. Auburn played – I think they only played Missouri in the SC Championship. Okay. Yeah, so it's hard to beat people twice. Um, so I think that alone is going against Auburn. Um, I think it sure would have been closer if Auburn had its um, biggest offensive weapon. That game's they pr- definitely score more than seven points. I'm very confident of that. Um, so I think it's close, and I think it's a four-quarter game at that point. It comes right down to the end, but I, th- I think Georgia still gets it done. Yeah, it's definitely not going to be a 24-7 game at that mm-hmm. Auburn, I believe, went into that game, ranked as number two team in the country, is what I'm yep, saying. They did. Yeah, number two. That's that's the uh, all time year where Auburn beat two number ones in a row. Not not just counting ULM, but I'm not going to count them and, and the two in the row because it sounds a whole lot better when you beat two number one teams in a row. And you beat Georgia handedly in that first matchup, and then you beat Alabama pretty handedly with the arm of Jared Stidham and the legs of Kerryon Johnson until, of course, his leg got hurt. Then the Georgia game comes around. Jared Stidham can't get the ball moving into the air. Carry on Johnson can't run the ball without limping. And looking down the the pipeline of the Auburn running back core that year, Cam Martin was not built to to be the lead back. He was like your Ontario McCaleb after Michael Dyer situation in 2010, which 2010 Auburn did play South Carolina in the regular season and play in the SEC championship. Uh, and really killed them in the SEC championship, not so much in the regular season game. But, Gregorio, I'm going to go off of your tangent where you said if Auburn were to win the SEC championship, uh, yeah, that just goes that just has Auburn in the in the college playoff. I think that's as simple as that. Uh, and it would be the first time a two-loss team has ever made the playoffs, and I think it's going to – it would stick that way all the way up until the, uh, whenever it happens again. Auburn would have been the first team with two losses, but I don't know. The other teams would have – I think Georgia would have been knocked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we have been the three or the four over Bama. Three. So we knocked Georgia out in this scenario by beating them in the SEC championship, and then Bama ended up actually being the four seed. Do we stay above Bama with two losses compared sure. to their one? Uh, yeah, so we all beat them. I think so. Yeah, the fact like that Auburn was in Atlanta anyway. So Auburn went to the SEC championship as the number two team in the country. Yes. Yeah. With with two losses. And I think Auburn would have been two. Uh, at, at that point. Over Oklahoma? Hmm? Right? Yeah. Uh, number one would have the... been Clemson. Yep. 
Clemson, Clemson. two, Auburn, three, Oklahoma, four, Bama. That's which, would had, which would have had Auburn. I don't know. That would, that would have been the Baker Mayfield Heisman year, correct? Yeah. 2017. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you can justify putting Auburn above Alabama when Auburn wins that SEC championship game. So they've earned their right to be in the playoff to begin with, and they beat you in the regular season. I feel like the head-to-head would take kind of precedent there. But okay. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely would have been. But I think beating Georgia again, there's an argument you, you could make about Clemson being jumped by by Auburn, but I don't think they would. Uh, just because I think that Clemson year, I think that's – is that Trevor Lawrence or no? Uh, no, that was the that's last year. That's yep. So what would have happened is Clemson would have been number one because of their week schedule that year. Uh, and, they, they, and they would have the head-to-head over Auburn anyway. Yeah, they would. Uh, and then you go into the, or actually 2017, would that have been Deshaun? Or no, it's, it's, no. You, were, you had it right. Okay. I just want to make sure. Uh, so that would have had Clemson one, Auburn two, uh, OU three, Bama four. And I like the odds of it being a Bama versus Auburn national championship. Well, for sure, because if that one one versus four Alabama Clemson matchup, let's just assume. Gosh, I always do that; it hurts every time. Let's just assume that goes exactly the same. Twenty four to seven, Deron Payne rushing touchdown, um, and then put Auburn in the Rose Bowl against Oklahoma, but Carryon Johnson's had a month to rest. Um, he's not being beat the hell every game. Um, well, he still is, but. Yeah, you have a break from that. Um, Jared Stidham has some time to get some work in. I think that Rose Bowl is as equally as exciting as it was. Maybe not quite, because that was a darn good shootout. Um, oh, yeah. But I think it's close. Yeah, and I got to say, Auburn's defense probably wasn't on the same level as that Georgia defense. So I think you're mm-hmm. definitely going to be getting a high scoring. And even that Georgia defense couldn't really stop Baker Mayfield that year. And it'd be an interesting game. Uh, a game that I think Auburn would win healthy. A healthy Auburn. I don't game know. Could win. I don't know if I don't know I, if Auburn. I don't know if Auburn could keep pace. I really don't. I think I'm swaying more with with OU that that time, and that I be, think I am too. That'd be Bama OU in the national championship, and, and Bama would have killed them. Yeah. Uh, 2017 ends the same way, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like, really, the only teams affected by this are Auburn and Georgia, really. Yeah. Um, the season would still have the same ending. Yeah, Bama on top, which sucks again. I kind of know. I kind of I kind of have a side question here. I know it's not Auburn-related, but obviously the way it worked, Jalen wasn't getting it done. He got benched. Tua came in, won the national championship. If Alabama's playing an inferior Oklahoma team, if they're not struggling as much, does the legend that was Tua Tungavaloa coming in and saving the game happen? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. know. I don't know. Uh, but I did like – let's go into another hypothetical. What if Auburn finds a way to beat OU and you go into the national championship? Auburn who – Oh. Oh. No more Dylan. Um. All right. We're well, taking this over, Daniel. <laughs> well, kind of where he was going with that is um, 
Alabama and Auburn in the national championship. And it, it'd be in Atlanta, which is like a, a neutral site. Get, or It's like a home game for both teams. It, it'd kind of be like how they used to play the Iron Bowl in Birmingham. That That's the kind of vibes that it's giving me. Oh, Dylan's computer died. Um, it, It's okay. Colin and I will rock this as long as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, but I think you go back to the precedent of it's hard to beat somebody twice. So, unless Auburn just had a one-of-a-kind day, I really oh, – I'm sorry, this is so weird. Oh, thank God. I don't um, think you're setting the scene right. I don't think you're truly given enough time to like – this is like the most hyped college football game of all time if Bama and Auburn are in the national championship against each oh, other. Oh, without a doubt. It's – it's by far like the best game to 2017. Quick question: like, How much? How much are those tickets going for? Those are going for like a band and a half. Yeah, what, those what, are, are four figures easy. We're talking about um, Alabama Auburn national championship game in Atlanta. That that would have been in Atlanta. Yes, yeah. it would have been in Atlanta. I forgot what I forgot what game that was. We would have uh, burned the country down. The whole state of Alabama would have marched to Georgia, and then turned up, win or lose. Someone's turning up. You would not see a Georgia hat at all in, in the city of Atlanta mm-hmm. that, that weekend because uh, you got two, they'd you got be two out there. there that hate them. They'd be out there, but they couldn't really say much. No. Uh, but yeah, that game would be ridiculous. I'd tickets to go in for, <laughs> for at least two hundred a pop, just because that that is the what is that two hundred two hundred. Their regular season tickets go for two hundred. This is the yeah. natty. That's, you're right. I think you're you're approaching four figures there. Yeah, probably for that's sure. For nosebleeds. Yeah, you have the best college ball rivalry of all time. One of the best rivalries in sports, really, just because you have two fans sure. that hate each other and have to share a border or share a state with each other, and they have to go over to Atlanta together. Yeah, and it's in our backyard. Two top teams in the country playing out for the national championship. This state of Alabama would burn. Like it, it, there's the tirade that would go through from West Alabama all the way into Atlanta would be ridiculous. And to think that this would have been the second time in a four-year stretch that that almost happened. Yeah, what 2013. Yeah, <laughs> if Alabama wouldn't have, or I guess I don't know. Is that how that would have happened? Florida State would have had to lose. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. Bama fans seem to think that uh, they would have beaten Florida State that year, but they couldn't beat Oklahoma in the in the uh, Sugar Bowl. So yeah, but Bama Auburn National Championship 2017, Jared Stidham versus Jalen Hurts again, healthy carry on all the way through four quarters versus Kenyon Drake. I think that was that running back there. Yeah. Yep. That'd be a tough game. That's a tough oh, game for sure. Uh, just because. You, Auburn found a way to beat Georgia twice in this hypothetical world. Can they find a way to beat Alabama in a neutral site game? It depends on how beat up carry on gets against Oklahoma. Um, obviously, their defense isn't up to par with what Georgia or Alabama have, so he probably wouldn't be getting hit as much. Um, but if he can find basically find a way to preserve carry on and still win the game if possible. Um, and then if Stidham can find a way to get some offense going through the air, then sure, I think it could happen. Um, but if it's more of the same of kind of what they – if 
if Auburn plays the Alabama the same way the second time, and like Alabama knows what's going to happen, I don't I don't see a way. Yeah, I mean we've seen a we've seen it a few times. We've seen it three times actually. We're four times actually, where Gus Malzahn found a way to outsmart and outcoach Nick Saban. Sure, he did it once as a coordinator, and three times as a coach. And I don't know if he can find that magic in a neutral site game. I don't think so. But this is another hypothetical that we are doing where the the outcome of this situation would probably result in Gus Malzahn still being the head coach at Auburn football come the 2021 season. Sure. Um, has Nick Saban ever been beaten twice by the same team in the same year? Did Georgia do it in 2023 or and that was the first time or 2022? Uh, I think no. I think Bama won the SEC championship and then Georgia mm-hmm. came back and beat them in the national championship. Yeah. Yep. So has he ever lost twice in the same year? I don't think so. No. So Auburn would have to to knock off Grandpa Saban twice. Yeah. The closest thing I can think of is Hugh Freeze beating him back to back in fourteen and fifteen. Yeah, and then also uh, LSU in that year they played Bama in the national championship. They beat them. I right. uh, was that the game was like what nine to six. Yeah. When LSU won, yeah, twenty one to twenty one to seven, and where LSU. But it was vice versa. They, right. Yeah, they each took one. In yeah, 2010 LSU, and 2011, LSU, um, LSU, in the regular LSU, season, LSU won. Yeah. But, yeah, so, yeah, it would have been hard. It would have been difficult. You would have had to re-scheme your entire offense yeah. in a way. I mean, Auburn had on Johnson doing jump passes to Nate Craig Myers in the end zone. <laughs> I mean, Gus Malzahn pulled all stops to beat Alabama that year, and it would be another – that that's the kind of play that's not going to work a second time. <laughs> yeah, once they see Carryon Johnson in the Wildcat, which is all he ran that year, really, they probably have a safety or two waiting in the back. It's just waiting. That safety for Alabama that year was pretty daggum good. One of the things that I kind of think goes in Auburn's favor with this is by the time the national championship game rolled around, um, Alabama was beat the hell. Uh, they had a lot of injuries, um, and their linebacker core especially, I want to say they were down like to their third or fourth option in some spots. So that goes in Auburn's favor. But then again, Auburn wasn't exactly in pristine, pristine condition either. In fact, this whole hypothetical is based around that. Yeah. Um, so I think it really just comes down to which team is healthier on game day. And it really comes to – can, can Clemson – find a way in this other hypothetical world to change up their their fate as well. Sure. It's, I don't know why it's something about playing teams twice, even the, in this hypothetical world, Georgia, Georgia beat Auburn, beat Georgia twice this year. Could Clemson beat Auburn in a neutral flat game again? Uh, that's tough. Because um, that game was 14 to 6, and the only thing that stopped Auburn that year from beating Clemson was the fact that Auburn's offensive line got, got Jarrett Stidham sacked seven times. I think Auburn would actually win that game because that Clemson team peaked very early in the season, and their, their schedule down the stretch was just not it. It was either 2017 or 2018 they lost to Syracuse. Uh, I think it would be 2018. Okay, that yeah. that You're right, because they were undefeated. It would have been the year that Kelly Brown got benched. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, so that Clemson team was not the same team that they were week one. And that Auburn offensive line was a lot better. Um, schematically, Auburn was a lot better. So, I th- I think Auburn would be able to get that one done. 
So percent chance Auburn wins the national championship against Alabama again, I'd probably say in the 30s, 40s. Yeah, I'll take like a 35 there. Percentage Auburn beats Clemson in the natty. I'd probably I'll give, give it like a 65, 70. Yeah, 60 is where yeah. I was going to go. But we're going to move on to the next sport, men's basketball in a second. But leave in the comments below, what do you think would have happened if Caron Johnson stayed healthy throughout the entirety of the 2017 season? But now we're going to go over to basketball, talking about going from talking about the past, talking about the future, to Hod Pettiford playing in the Peach Jam has been absolutely killing it. He has been all over every highlight you can find. Uh, he found a way in transition defense to get two blocks and and, and one offensive possession. So I think every time I talk about Todd Pettiford, we're going to say the same thing. Dude's the truth. Dude's the future of Auburn basketball. And I think he's going to be a one and done, sadly, uh, just because of how good he is. Uh, and Colin, I'll go with you here. What do you think Todd Pettiford – what would be a good question here? Uh, what do you think Todd Pettiford's stat line is going to be his first year at Auburn? I mean, I think he's going to be a big player. He's obviously a one and done. If he spends two years here, there's a problem. I yeah. think it's more likely that, that he goes to the G League over Auburn than he comes here and, and stays two years. That We're not getting two years of him. He's going to going to come to the Plains and he'll, he'll put out for sure. Yeah, uh, one thing, Colin, I'm, uh, I'll fire you again if you ever put the G League in Auburn in the same sentence again. Listen, we're, uh, we're intertwined whether we like it or not. <laughs> now that now that we've all learned that Auburn could have had Jalen Green for – I feel bad saying his name after all the Twitter stuff that's been going yeah, on. Yeah, I was about to say, have you seen what's been going on with him? We yeah. don't need to talk about it. But <laughs> but I still would have liked to have him on the team a couple years ago. Uh, yeah. Scoop Henderson and – Who's the other guy? There's there's one more guy. Start with the J. Uh, good lord. Um, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people do. I'm forgetting his name. But the fact Auburn Ron could have had, he could have had a he could have had a team with Scoot Henderson, Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler, Zepp Jasper, Katie Johnson. If Sharif could have swallowed his pride, stayed another year, dude. There's no telling what that 2022 team would have done. That team goes like 38 no. That or team, what, whatever it would be. That is a national championship team right there. Oh, for sure. They don't lose. And and you you have enough offensive production where you don't where you don't lose it all at the end of the season, and hopefully find a way to beat Buzz Williams, uh, and find a way to win the SEC tournament. Go into the Going to the tournament, NCAA tournament as a one seed instead of, I think, two. Was it was Auburn two? two seed? Yep. Mm-hmm. And you can find a way to avoid Miami as well. Yeah. Yeah. But Todd Pettiford, I, hopefully, I don't want to say hopefully, Aiden Holloway has a great year and is one and done, but I would love it if he decided to stay another year and pair himself up very nicely with Todd Pettiford, who I think the, that two right there could be a pretty freaking good guard group right there and yeah. it'd be that'd be a year you'd have to worry about Auburn guards at all uh and I think both those guys are eclipsing six foot not counting the hair uh unlike Wendell Green <laughs> speaking of Wendell Green uh get ready he is going to be playing with Sharif Cooper on Friday at 7 30 for the NBA Summer League they'll be playing Brooklyn and of course Make sure to turn your TV on to ESPN at six o'clock to watch Houston and Jabari Smith play uh, as they, as all three of those guys 
well, Wendell Green begins, and the other two continue their professional playing career. Hopefully, Cleveland lets uh, Sharif Cooper actually play for the for the Cavaliers, and because uh, I would love to see Sharif Cooper paired up with Isaac Okoro, because I think it brings me more joy in life than watching what could have been uh, the Auburn Tigers, and that's a whole other theoretical Thursday in and of itself. Oh, yeah. uh, Okoro has been in a lot of trade talks recently. Actually, they might get dish him to Toronto. Toronto, yeah, eight to six. Is he from? Am I? I'm thinking of someone. There's an Auburn basketball player from Canada. It's um, not a core. JT Thor was from Anchorage, Alaska. That's not yeah, Canada. That's close enough. Another dude <laughs> in the 2022 team right there, and paired up very nicely with Jabari Smith. Is he not playing in summer league? He might be too old. I, he's been in the league for like three years now, dude, and he's yeah. still younger than me, which I don't like to talk about. Is he still in Charlotte? Yeah. I uh I I wrote not I wrote a paper but peer edited a paper by him my freshman year here, so that was interesting. Uh yeah he didn't put he didn't play last game and he's not even listed on the do not play list. Yeah he's like a end of bench rotational guy slash like G League like two way yeah. contract. Yeah, uh, I think he paired off very nicely with uh, Brandon Miller. I think they would kill it on the court. Uh, he definitely committed a lot, whole lot less fouls than Brandon Miller. That <laughs> got to say that though. I've never wanted a player to be a bust so badly, dude. I don't know how you watched Brandon Miller play in the last two games and watch Scoot Henderson play and take Brandon Miller over Scoot. I don't get it. Scoot and Lamelo Ball would have torn up the league. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I don't know how you did how you do that. But, yeah, I mean, you tune in Friday. You get to watch back-to-back games of Jabari Smith, Wendell Green, and Shreve Cooper. And, yeah, they're killing it. Uh, stay tuned for the NBA season starting back up uh, with Isaac Okoro and Chumo Kiki, who you can also go watch in the NBA. And don't forget Big Walk. And Big Walk. I don't, I don't know how to about Walker Kessler. Uh, but, yeah, should have been Rookie of the Year Walker Kessler, that is. Yeah. Uh, but now we're going to move on to another, speaking of Todd Pettiford, going to another young buck on the Auburn baseball team, Ike Irish with second team freshman All-American honors by D1 Baseball. And I think going into the 2024 baseball season, I think Ike Irish is probably going to be unanimously on our most impactful player on the team just because I, I keep repeating it. I love repeating it. The SEC tournament uh, quote Talking about if he can just uh, develop a little bit more on his swing and turn all those doubles that he got into home runs, oh boy, this dude might hit 30 home runs. He just might do it. He's fun, man. And even if he doesn't start hitting home runs, he hits so accurately. Like he can pick apart the field, he can hit against the shift. He does what he needs to do when he needs to do it. And that's what I love about him is that he doesn't have to hit a home run, he can still find other ways to hurt you. Yeah, you know, Auburn can find a way to just whatever Coach Tiford now on on the on the staff find a way to finally develop your arms on the bullpen. Uh, find a way to trick Joseph Gonzalez into not going to the MLB. Uh, let him stay for another year. Uh, Twenty and uh, Daniel, I think you said our last episode. I think baseball is the closest team to winning a national championship right now. Yeah, um, I think so too because the pipeline's strong. Um, your pitching's been what's let you down the past couple of years. Hopefully, um, with Coach Tiford, 
that can change and we can get some consistency as opposed to three pitching coaches in three years Um, because you just can't do that to a program and expect to go to Omaha. It's crazy that they did in the midst of that. Um, So, yeah, I just – they're knocking on the door. Um, Butch has a baseball-focused athletic director. The Plainsman Park Revos are on the way. And really, I just think it's a matter of time. Yep, and I talking about Ike Irish. I mean, your top two, both the leading the charge for Auburn 20, 2024 hopeful championship uh, run. It goes with both guys going to their sophomore year, Chris Stanfield and Ike Irish, both. Yep, so they're they're so fun to watch, and uh, they're going to be awesome. Uh, next season and again just hopefully Auburn can get that pitching rotation good and right and have them healthy throughout the entire season and this Auburn baseball team could do some real damage and with that that's pretty much all we have today Uh, a lot of others uh, there's not real much going on outside of recruiting and the random tidbits we get on Twitter uh, but Colin, let everybody know where they can love you, find you, support you, and tell them how to spell your name. Yeah. Um, so follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's at Byersdorf Colin at B E Y E R S D O R F. Almost forgot there for a second. Um, and it's Byersdorf Colin, Colin with one L. Can't forget. Yes, with one L. Um, I'm also I'm starting a radio show uh, for at Weagle 91.1. Uh, it's on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Drive Time Talk Radio. So. Come listen. 365-day grind. <laughs> Cannot shout Weagle out enough for what they've done for all of us. Uh, I would not be in podcasting for without for Weagle, and I believe neither would Tar. Uh, but, Daniel, go ahead and let everybody know where they can love you, find you, and support you as well. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke. Uh, you can find my written work for the Auburn Wire or for 1819 News, and I'll just retweet what Dylan said. Um, I probably wouldn't be here in journalism, period, if it weren't for Weagle. So. Very thankful for that organization. Yep. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at your boy the tank on the bird app. I must have Twitter twice in that sentence. And if you're looking for it, it's just right there at YABOI the tank. It's also in the description below. And while you're scrolling down there, go ahead and like, comment, and subscribe. We are growing at an exponential rate. We are almost at 400 subs. We don't have, we didn't really have a plan about what we're going to do for 400. Uh, but if we get to 500, uh, Colin has to do a dance. And we have a few in mind. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, we, we've been planning for this. So, again, you better hope the internship ends soon or you're going to have to do an embarrassing dance on TikTok. Uh, but, of course, yeah, you can go follow us on TikTok, that is, and Twitter, at The College Loop, Facebook, Instagram, The Works. And if you want to listen to our podcast in the audio version, if you hate seeing our face, you have us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts. But with all that being said... This has been the College Loop Podcast.